Hello, Woodlane community. This is Pastor Brian, and you are listening to the Woodlane Worship Podcast, episode 064. If you are listening to this, you are an honorary member of our community where we seek to bring the presence of Christ to those around us. On this week's episode, most people want their lives to make a difference on some scale or another. Maybe it's with their families, their communities, or even trying to influence an entire generation or culture. But what happens when that culture around us changes faster than we do? What does that do to our ability to influence it? How do we get that permission to speak into the lives of those we're trying to help? These are some hard questions for people and organizations to ask. Check out how we can find hope. At 23, I got my first apartment with a good friend of mine. Now, being our very first place, we had both just graduated from college, we furnished it with everything. We became, Andy and I are both the youngest of our siblings. And our parents were licking their chops thinking, what can we pawn off on this pair of independence newbies? And so we got everything. Of course, nothing coordinated or matched, heaven forbid. We had an upholstered recliner next to a leather couch. We had a metal coffee table in front of a glass entertainment center, surrounded by press board media holder things back in the days of CDs. It looked like an apartment of a pawn shop, but you know what? The fact was, pawned off was free. And when you're 23, free rules the day. The time eventually came when Andy and I decided to part roommate ship. He moved out and HGTV and I were about to get married, so we decided we were going to buy something that was ours, something new, and we got our bedroom set. After, of course, making, let me back up one step, making the unanimous decision and the epic ceremony that that upholstered recliner was going out to the dumpster, and we did it in strong fashion. So we prepare for the wedding, we get our bedroom set, And that couch is still hanging on through four more moves. It had already been through two more by the time it got to our apartment that we had together in Chicago. And various parties, not so subtly, suggested, hey, you know, why don't you update the couch a little bit? I'm like, you know what? It still works, even if it is a little bit beat up. It may have a rip here or there, but in the end, you know what? I've sat and slept on this thing for 25 years. I'm not getting rid of it until the day when one of the children, I honestly don't remember which, jumps. And all we hear echoing throughout the house is crack. We investigate a little bit and find that one of these springs decided to break through under a couch that the children like to crawl under. That weekend, that couch was on the curb. May it not take a loud crack or a broken spring to regain influence for God's kingdom in this world. Let's pray together. God, move in us today through your word. Transform us. Help us to see how you worked through your servant Paul that we might be able to be that much more effective for you in the way that he was for you in his time. Amen. I'm going to make a really wild guess 
that each of us, in some way, wants our lives to matter, wants our lives to make a difference, to in some way make the world a better place than we found it. For some people, that means having a good influence with their family, with their children. I know mothers can appreciate that idea. For some, it goes maybe a little bit bigger in scale to those who want to make a difference in their community, want to help it run well. And some feel called to help transform a culture, a generation, a world. Some even have the platforms to be able to do exactly that. It's one of those things where scale does not really matter. The person who is trying to have a positive influence over their family can be just as called to that and just as effective at that as somebody who is called to be a Rosa Parks or something where just the scale is so much different. You know what? Beliefs don't really matter on that either. In the sense that Christians, church-going people, do not have a corner market on wanting to make a difference in the world. And that can be a good thing. But what happens when the influence we are trying to make falls on deaf ears? What happens when the wisdom we are trying to share is met with blank stares or with eye rolls? Then, my friends, we have ourselves a challenge. And it was a challenge that the Apostle Paul took on head on. Now, Paul was a missionary, which in his work, he spoke to many different groups across Asia Minor and across the biblical world. Many different types of groups. He spoke to those that were young, spoke to those that were mature, spoke to those who weren't the most educated in the world, and he spoke to those who were the scholars. He spoke to those who got it right and to those who were really messed up. And while his message never changed, there is something we can learn from his technique that we read when he writes to one of those really messed up churches, the Corinthians. Out of his first letter to them, in the middle of chapter 9, Paul says, For though I am free with respect to all, I have made myself a slave to all, so that I might win some more of them. To the Jew I became like a Jew, so I might win the Jew. For those under the law, I became as one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, though I am not free from God's law, but I am under Christ's law, so that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, so that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that I might by all means win some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, so that I might share in its blessings. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, if I can put our challenge that everybody experiences but nobody sees coming into one word, it would have to be irrelevance. A challenge that faces people, again, on any scale. Whether you are a parent trying to find a way to teach your child how to add two plus two. When I tried to teach Andrew, and I totally did not get the language teachers were using to explain how to put, I said, you just do it. Not, you take 10 and you subtract eight and then you, you group this and you number, I was irrelevant trying to teach my son all the way to a church 
trying to reach a community. The same kind of thing can happen. And the fact that enough of you are teachers that get that common core example, hopefully it makes a little bit of sense. And just because it's easier on this scale, I'm going to use the church as sort of the engine to drive this idea. Because I know, knowing many of your stories, that there are people here who absolutely love this community, who love Woodlane. People who have put blood, sweat, and tears into building a ministry that is influential, that is effective, that does what it's called to do. Some of you since before the day I was born. And you may remember times, periods, where the ministry of this church was incredibly effective. And maybe you look at that finally, and that's a good thing, and think, wow, something must have worked because the seats were packed, the dinners were full, those never leftovers. You name what the image is that you hold of what those booming times might have looked like. You can think very easily, wow, it worked. Something worked. So let's keep doing it. And you keep doing it. And I am one who looks for patterns. It's just the way I am wired. And so that thought totally makes sense. And you keep doing it. And you keep doing it. And you keep doing it. I never expected the day to come when in my head I would be in my living room saying, wow, Brian, the 80s called. They want their couch back. Snap. Recognizing I was irrelevant. And sometimes the things that we love whether it's something we have, something we do, something we say, or some way that we approach things, makes us irrelevant, not able to speak, not able to be influential as much, if not at all. Rick Warren, he says in the, in the book that is kind of engineering this series, didn't see it coming, he says, when the speed of change around an organization is faster than the speed of change inside an organization, the organization becomes irrelevant, loses its ability to make a difference. Let me change a bit of the wording to absolutely not change the meaning, but to bring the point home. When the speed of change around a church is faster than the speed of change inside a church, the church becomes irrelevant, unable to make a difference. And the community is called to change. Here's the danger point, if that isn't hard enough. Irrelevance sabotages influence. So here is a tough question to ask, but it's one that we have to ask honestly. What is changing faster, the church, Woodlane, or the church as a whole, or the culture around it? And may I remind everybody, this is the culture that contains our kids and our grandkids. I know many of you, all right, all of you, would desire for your children and your grandchildren to accept the Christ that gives us life. Let me demonstrate this idea in five letters. Again, something that will, may very well hit home for a large handful of you, more than almost anybody else who reads that book, Kodak. This company that is literally just down the street relative to the world, was a pioneer when it came to the photography business. And yet, after they invented digital photography, they went through this internal war between the print division and the digital division. And all of their efforts tried to get people who were taking photographs to print them. 
they saw that as their business. And even as they went into digital and they created one of the first digital online places to put your pictures, it was all guided towards getting people to print them. Even though the culture around them said, we don't care about printing pictures anymore. And the irony is the company that invented digital photography could not make the shift, fell into irrelevance, and died. Again, it asks that hard question, what is changing faster, the church or the culture around it? Now I get some things, and thank God for this, some things do not change. The Christian message does not change. You've heard me say at the start out the service many times over the last couple of weeks that Jesus Christ that we follow was the same yesterday and today and tomorrow. Get that. Paul had one mission as he went to all these different churches of all different types. Preach Christ and him crucified. He says it earlier in Corinthians, I believe. That is my mission. That is all that matters to me. But how he did it changed from group to group to group to group. He knew how to speak into these different cultures with this message that brings life. The fact is, on a micro scale, to define what Paul had done, he says, I have become all things to all people so that I might by all means save some. He would speak differently to the Corinthians than he would to the Galatians, than he would to the Ephesians, than to the Philippians. He tailored his one message to these different cultures so that they could hear him, be influenced by it, and be affected by it. Now, I also get that culture did not ask your permission to change. You know what? Didn't ask my permission either. But here we are in a, a church, in a culture that contains our children and grandchildren. And what are we going to do to influence it, to be our mission? Many of you over the course of the last year have asked in various forms what it is that I plan to do while I'm on sabbatical this summer. As far as the study portion of it, this exact topic. How do we as a church remain relevant in the biggest communication shift since the printing press of the 1400s? How do we earn the right to speak into a culture that changes literally at the speed of light? and that moves at the speed of light. Digitally speaking, that is not a metaphor. It literally changes that fast. How do we become all things to all people in a world that God still so loves? Well, I'm, there is hope. There is hope and there is dreams because I'm going to attempt to figure all that out in four months. Yeah, right. But it is a journey, and it does take work. So rather than try and give you a bunch of different ideas of how to help make this happen, how to stay effective, how to stay relevant in a culture that changes literally at the speed of light, I'm going to give you one encouragement. And it's one that we can all grasp in our own way. And that is to love the mission more than the method. Let's put it this way. If we are more in love with Call to worship, hymn, prayer of confession, assurance of pardon, hymn, celebration, children's business, more than we're in love with reaching people for Christ, something's backwards. Something is out of order. Put through, what is our mission to bring the presence of Christ into the community? 
We seek, we set out, we exist to make a difference in the community where God put us. And when we get that, when we love that, the methods fall into place. We can figure out the how when we've got a big enough why. That's the mission, making a difference in this community. Even if the how changes, shifts, maybe even gets kicked out to the curb like a 25-year-old couch from the 1980s that decides it's going to become an unsafe place for a two-year-old to crawl under. A couple of questions to dream about. Would you sing Amazing Grace, My Chains Are Gone with Sally if it meant creating a place that is more familiar to your unbelieving neighbor? Would you sit on a couch with a millennial if it meant that they would start to love this family even just a little bit as much as you do? Would you be able to embrace the work that God does if 100 people came to know Christ and were discipled by the ministry of this church, even if all 100 of them never set foot in this room? That is the culture. And you know what? That can work. Is it scary? Actually not. I mean, we embrace the idea of being a family-friendly church more than we loved 40-year-old carpeting down in the basement. And you pulled it off. Not so bad. Not so scary. So this week, here's what I'm going to encourage you, maybe even challenge you to do. I want you to step into the culture that the high schoolers who are up there testing every, every day this week experience day in and day out. I'll kiddie pool that a little bit for you. This week, check out the church's website. It's on the front of your bulletin if you don't know where it is. If you have missed a week of church, check out the message online. That's what that second line is. If you don't know how to write it down fast enough, I will leave this up. On the Welcome Center are these red cards. It's right there. Don't even have to worry about the rest of it, just that first line, sermon.church slash woodling. That's where the last seven or eight months worth of messages are online, where your grandkids might look for them. Ask your grandkids why they like the music that they do. The taste may be very different than yours, and that is, if that is the case, then that is the point. To learn. You like this? Why? It lets us dip our toes into the culture we live in so that we can introduce this culture to the one who brings real life. Thanks again for listening to the Woodland Worship Podcast. I hope we've given you something to make you think. If you'd like some more information about our community, check us out at woodlanechurch.org or visit our Facebook page at Woodlane Newark. If you happen to be in the Finger Lakes area, come check us out live on a Sunday morning at 9.45 a.m. See you next week on the Woodlane Worship Podcast.